right, so welcome to the Creative Gourd, guys. This is the inaugural podcast. I'm very honored and humbled to be here with the essentially the creator of the show, actually. <laughs> he actually made it up while he was speaking. That was the coolest thing I've ever seen. And we have it all on tape. This is true. <laughs> this is true. This is Mikhail Yisrael. What's going on, folks? So today, very special day. Both of us have, over the years, been very fascinated by certain works of art mm-hmm. and have gone out of our way to seek reviews of other people that we would res- we respect mm-hmm. and admire and just to hear their thoughts about it. So I'm actually proud to be here with you and we're about to do the same thing for Black Panther. Likewise, likewise. I'm, I'm, I'm truly honored to be here um, having a conversation with you. Uh, about things that are near and dear to our heart in terms of trying to uh, unpack, uh, deconstruct, um, and really lean into uh, what something might be trying to say, um, visually, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, um, and it's just very dynamic. So I think I think we'll have a great conversation today with some some heavy topics. Absolutely. How about we start with the opening of the film? Let's talk about it. So. Second time around, did you notice anything different in the opening? So, a um, couple of things. The first time I went to go see it, it was at uh, the IMAX theater. So, you know, it was just it was just um, really interesting because I said, you know, I haven't been here in a minute, and it'll be interesting to see exactly how many folks in the room. So, I'm looking at the crowd. I'm trying to see who's out. Um, you see a number of different people who are really embracing it as a cultural experience. Um, they're having all their signifiers on, whether it's dashikis, mm-hmm. um, whether it might be some black Greek letter organizations, um, uh, like letters on. Um, but they're really like showing up and showing out, um, something that they can really connect with. So I think I was looking at the group first. Um, as the lights dimmed, um, in, in the opening of the movie, um, I was really trying to uh, see exactly what was going on and listen because it, it starts off being very, it's like quiet. So whenever someone speaks softly or speaks quiet, it really means that they invite you to listen. Um, and it really means that they're trying to grasp your attention because this is probably going to be the backdrop for the entire the entire um, movie. Um, so I think when I was able to watch it a second time, I was able to really see um, how the scene was set for the remainder of the film. Because um, you, you might miss it the first time around. You definitely might miss the first time around. That's why it warrants another time. Absolutely. And you're a thousand percent right. Um, the first thing I noticed straight off the bat is that it was Warmonger's father telling him the story. Mm. And I'm like, ah, that's mm-hmm. the spirit of the film, right? Because we see two men, black men, losing their fathers too soon. I feel like any time is too soon, right? Mm-hmm. But losing their fathers from death and their struggle in terms of how that you know, I guess points your trajectory in life. That's that's the that's the theory anyway, especially mm-hmm. with our culture. I, w- I would say. No, for sure. And I, I think that was something that's important. And I think the whole, if you look at the movie not as um, the comic book mm-hmm. um, or the experience of what the comic book might look like played out on screen, if you forget for a second that it's a Marvel movie, um, I think that you probably look through it in a different cinematic lens. Um, or at least in a different like lens in terms of what you're thinking about, um, in terms of what message is trying to be portrayed. And I think that was very important to, to start off in the beginning to see exactly um, how the rest of the movie is going to be set, not in a fictional world per se, 
but in a futuristic world. Absolutely. And it's funny that you say that because I was looking at it with a esoteric lens mm-hmm. going into the film. So I brought, I brought my notepad and I was going over all the, I guess, revelations I've been having since 2018. For me, 2018, mm-hmm. I've been completely celibate, mm-hmm. no fab. So mm-hmm. like my focus is mm-hmm. completely direct. So I'm using that creative energy and channeling it mm-hmm. into creative force positively. And to me, that was the spirit of the film because you have the light and the dark wow. and wow. meeting mm-hmm. on the underground railroad, if you will. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, that's deep. That's really deep. Um, particularly if you think about it, um, if you look at the beginning of the movie too, how they're setting up a scene where they're showing how historically this is how something started and this is how things became to unfold. Um, and then they fast forward to the future and present day and there's not much difference, um, you know, and that's something that can be said that we can talk a little bit more about as we go on into this uh, into this podcast. Um, but I think it's important what you just noticed or just mentioned um, and noted is that sometimes when you remove distractions um, and when you just really focus and hone in on yourself, um, you know, you can really get clarity into the bigger meaning of life or your purpose or what your trajectory should be because you're you're tuning out mm-hmm. um, any outside influences, distractions, or a bunch of noise. Absolutely. And again, you've said it again. Oh, I love it because audio, noise, vibrations. So again, I'm looking at it through that esoteric lens. So we see, first we hear the story of Wakanda. Wakanda mm-hmm. And then... We see on the screen. We actually see kind of like the, that type of technology that is influenced by sound. Yes. So essentially, he's telling the story, and the story's coming alive with, let's just say, the vibranium, right? Yes. And what is essentially vibranium? It's a it's a metal, mm-hmm. but it's activated when you have audio vibrations. So vibranium vibrate. There's mm-hmm. there's there's some correlation there. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because if you think about it too, is um, if you, if you go back to the the history and tradition of the African continent, and you look back at the motherland, people told stories and messages through beats, through sounds, and songs. Um, Absolutely, the songs. Um, and even if you fast forward to um, slavery, um, when folks were telling messages about how to escape to freedom through song, um, when folks were trying to let people know which way to go through song, um, rhythmic dances, beating of a drum. Um, body percussion when they're actually using their physical body to, to spread a message. Absolutely. So even even the Black Panther greeting, if you do it at any type of velocity that's similar to how they do it in the film, you're going to make a sound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sound. Sound. Yes. So then I'm looking at it in terms of, okay, now each tribe obviously represents different elements in creation. And then you have essentially they have each tribe has their own spirit animal like rhinos gorillas panthers right mm-hmm. so how do gorillas communicate with each other they have very powerful mm-hmm. right that's exactly what they do so sound is such a magical thing because a, a certain sounds can actually paralyze you they can paralyze you with fear mm-hmm. paralyze you with doubt mm-hmm. and in the in the jungle or even in life with human beings that can be viewed as a weakness. It's funny you said that because sounds really are important. I, I'll give you an anecdote today. Like, I think I was driving here and it was either yesterday or today. Probably yesterday, last night when we were driving to the show. Um, I was in the car and, you know, I'm by myself. 
I'm listening to music on Pandora, and then there's a commercial that's on, but then I hear, like, the siren of a police car. And, like, my heart just jumped. And it's just because it was that sound. There was no police car in sight. And I'm upset at this commercial. Like, why is this random police sound in this for the commercial? Mm -hmm. Now, if they're smart, they would understand that, hey, maybe they shouldn't do that because now, for those folks who are supposed to be consumers... Um, might associate your product or whatever with fear, so they might not even buy it. So maybe they should need to think a little bit more about their, their marketing strategy. Um, but just in terms of the importance of sound, um, yes, we communicate with sounds. That's why Morse code was something that was big, uh, because even if you can't uh, know a certain language, um, sound in itself can be a language. Uh, we we also communicate physically too. So if you don't have if you don't say, speak the same language, um, you can make sign language. You can uh, gesture. Um, so I think, uh, and even when you talk about the Wakanda greeting. Um, what I've seen too is if you think about folks trying to physically give us artifacts to connect us back to the motherland, um, if you are not from Africa or if you are a, I guess, a stolen African, right? Mm-hmm. A person who's African American in this in this country, um, you might not know where to find your roots or how to reestablish a connection to the motherland. And I think a lot of us, what we can identify with are handshakes or greetings. But if you see that and you look at it in, in terms of history, the same Wakandan greeting when they when they cross their arms are the same way that you see um, some of the the Egyptian pharaohs buried, the same way you see them laid to rest. The same, so you have connections and symbolism um, to to the motherland and actually bringing them full circle to uh, you know retrace their roots and get them back in touch. I'm so happy you said that because in my mind I was like, okay, like yes. And then I'm, okay, now I'm thinking about ancient Egypt. Mm -hmm. And then you say ancient Egypt. Mm -hmm. So then if you look at the stylized illustrations of Black Panther, it's obvious that it's derived from Egypt. Yes. In the film, they even reference it, El Dorado. Some might know it it as Atlantis, you know, Mm. that, Mm -hmm. that futuristic society. And that was heavily reliant on metals gold mm-hmm. for the Egyptians, but also copper, because they invented the first battery and nightlight. It also ties to Egypt, too, which is crazy. So, folks are like, what's this vibranium thing? Mm-hmm. How, how are they How are they building these things? Like, it's impossible for these folks, these Africans, to be building stuff. Um, how do they use vibranium in their technology, etc.? They ask the same questions of those who built the pyramids. How did they do this? Mm-hmm. Um, it's impossible. Some alien life form had to come down here and do that. They just could not believe it, particularly from a group of Africans. Sure. And so I am venturing out to Cairo next month. Hey, now. During Ramadan to uh, just observe. Okay. And be inspired because, to be completely honest, I would say learning about ancient Egypt conjured my wanderlust. Mm-hmm. Simply because after learning about it, I knew I had to go there. And then I was like, okay, where else in the world is there? Like, oh, I want to go there. I want to go there. So always my top three has been Egypt, Brazil, and Italy. I've been to Italy twice, fortunate enough to do okay, that. Okay, okay. Just turned 30, about to go to Egypt, mm-hmm. and then making certain moves in Brazil as we speak to venture out that way. Well, that would be amazing to see uh, what parallels or connections you draw from these different places. Um, and to see what uh, what life might be like if you ended up in that place, this is, um, yes. to grow up in that place, mm-hmm. to see what history you would have or what history would be taught to you, um, and what type of focus or perspective that might give you, which is a great segue into the perspective of the characters um, 
in Black Panther. Absolutely. Um, which is just amazing. Uh, but I think, of course, um, for me, um, as a person whose background is in like policy analysis and management, um, in particular thinking about consumer policy and a consumer's perspective or knowing who your audience is or what their point of view might be, I never am comfortable with evaluating content outside of its context because I think it's all relative. Um, so you might say that something makes sense, but it might not make sense out of context. Right. Or you might really agree with something, but you might not agree with it out of context. So it's important for us to evaluate a movie um, thoroughly, mm-hmm. not just within the movie itself, but also thinking about what it is in the time, in the time span of when it was released. First and foremost, the movie came out during Black History Month. And in our astrological sign, I'm very happy about that. Yes, and also during during Aquarius <laughs> yes. uh, time, where we uh, where we rule. It was literally made for us. <laughs> yes, it was completely. Yeah, so I think perspective is very important, and context is very important too. Um, whenever you're evaluating content, whenever you're evaluating characters, and I think what they did, which was amazing, uh, was the character analysis and the char- I mean, not the analysis, but the character development mm. um, to really drive home the different perspectives and points of view. Um, that each character brought to the table. And I'm not just talking about T'Challa and Killmonger. I'm talking about the beautiful black woman too. And there are different approaches to leadership, um, to guarding their, their country, mm. or, or having loyalty to their country. And I, and I can't wait to dive deeper into that stuff. Oh yeah, that, that, was, a, that was a joy to watch. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie. Because at certain points in the movie, we see the closest women in T'Challa's life challenging him appropriately like mm. i i would say mm. like i feel like sometimes women do it you know for other reasons mm-hmm. let's say but I, w- I would say for this reason it's just like okay i'm i'm respectfully testing the boundaries to make sure you are king which is why i think that element of women is necessary oh for it sure. absolutely is necessary to have that in order to have that present i i think it's fundamental however i would have to say i was very proud when t'challa he listened to him, but he's like, okay, I'm still going to do my own thing, but I'm absolutely going to listen to you because if I wanted to be a, you know what, I could be like, I'm a king, don't talk to me at all. But I'm not only do I trust you and you know that, I illustrate that, but I'm actually listening to what you're saying and thinking about it before I act on it. Oh, for sure. And, I, and that's dope. And I think you and I were talking about this the other day and I said somebody had put me on to, um, I think what some depth psychologists had talked about, um, the different archetypes of masculinity. Mm. Right. And the four different archetypes of masculinity that they put forth. And I'm sure there's more. And I think a woman had wrote a book, probably from the, the woman's perspective, that really challenged some other parts within that, which I'm not too familiar with. I need to go take a look at it and read it. Um, but from the book that I'm referring to is from, I think, uh, uh, Robert Moore and Douglas Gillette. I believe that's who they are. Um, and the four archetypes were king, warrior, magician and lover. Right. Oh, my but this is the crazy part. They okay. said that, you know, all, and, and this is where you can have masculinity and then toxic masculinity. So when you think about masculinity, and particularly if you think about T'Challa versus Killmonger, mm. and you see their relationship to women. <sighs> Wonderful. Right? Yeah. Um, Killmonger and, and, and T'Challa both have aspects of king. They both have aspect of warrior. And I think to a certain extent, they both might have aspect of, of lover. But I think what showed more in the movie was the fact that they were, both had aspects of the archetype of, of king and warrior. However, what some kind of psychologists talk about is that there could be a, the shadow king or the shadow uh, warrior, which is almost like a dysfunctional bipolar form um, or, or uh, manifestation of that actual archetype where you have someone who might be strong or powerful, but because of their insecurities, 
because they don't know how to control their anger, they lash out at people. And sometimes they're insubordinates, or other times it might be women, um, or other times it might be their own people. Mm. Um, so I think that's something that really, really did uh, show itself um, in the movie in terms of how two people have these similar characteristics. They can both be kings, they're both warriors, but how does that manifest um, in the real time, in the real world, um, and what might have created that manifestation, um, what built up and led to that manifestation of two very similar archetypes? Sure. And I mean, I would say I did enjoy the relationship between, um, let's say, the the farmer tribe mm. mm-hmm. and the actual guardians of the king. Wow. Because... Now I'm thinking about back to ancient Egypt because in ancient Egypt had these societies. So like the ancient Egypt, and I this is this might be another reason why I see myself um, through the lens of like a pharaoh, but not not in that way, mm-hmm. but like in an Aquarius way. Mm-hmm. Obviously, is that pharaohs would have female bodyguards. Oh yeah, right. Oh yeah. And to be honest, I would be more. I would be. I would feel more safe with having female witnesses that but that's that's just me mm-hmm. because females are extremely extremely great at attention to detail like they they i would say their their skills are developed their social skills are developed to observe and interact with different aspects of energy in the room so i feel like a female as soon as she walks into a room she can see who has the social value mm-hmm. that's woman's intuition absolutely that's that's the epitome of woman's intuition mm-hmm. and um that's why there's this place I talk to my wife. I'm like, listen, I don't know what it is, but I'm listening to what you just said because I feel like that's coming from your intuition. And that's only something you have. And maybe you can't put a finger on it, but I know when it's, when it's manifesting itself. Um, additionally, I think just growing up in a single-parent household, being raised by a single mom, I see how fiercely protective my sisters were. Like, they would step to any man, any, any dude to protect me. And I was the youngest of, out of all of them, but that's how they would be. And, and you know, that's genetic. Those things are genetic. I mean, you, you can remove us from, from the motherland, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, you know, nature, nurture, but that, that's genetic. Um, that's, that's built in. Um, and I think as a woman, a true woman, um, I think uh, ones who are not removed or one who are not, um, I guess, um, the same way a man can be broken by society or broken by, you know, demons and things of that nature, women can as well. Absolutely. So I think those women who have not really experienced that or haven't been caught up or tracked by that, they are ones who... Um, are their nature is to be nurturing, their nature is to be protective, um, but protective through a lens of love and respect, as opposed to um, jealousy, uh, uh, obsessive compulsiveness. Um, mm. uh, and I think that's something that we saw that was beautiful because you had some fair sisters. First and foremost, natural beauty, especially like the scene when Okoye threw her wig off. Went to the casino, that's right. She's like, you're not going to colonize me. She's like, I'm going I'm to beat you and kick your butt naturally. Mm. Naturally. you about to get a natural ass whooping. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> um, but with that being said, I think it's just really being important of knowing who you are and really understanding that. And, and I think some things get twisted. I know I'm jumping around. I know, but some things get twisted in the point where you start talking about gender roles. Mm. Um, and folks are like, oh no, you know, equality, this, that. Like things get so twisted. And we are all equal because we're all under the eyes of God and made in the image of God. That being said, we still have our roles to play. And sometimes there might be an intersection of those or it might be an overlap of those. 
Women can be warriors, men can be warriors. Women can be nurturers, men can be nurturers, right? So when we, we need to get away from all this like, you know, divisiveness when we're trying to talk about certain things. However, I think we all have roles to play and we need to be attuned in, in terms of creating a society and a village that we all have to play these roles um, to the best of the ability, no matter who we are. Absolutely, and, I, and one of the big themes in the film is divine DNA, essentially, because I didn't notice this the first time, but first time, T'Challa had to get the power absorbed. And as far as we know, he did not take the plant mm. before then. So maybe, because I remember they reference essentially their version of chi or energy. Like when someone, when Killmonger made the, the claim to the throne, mm-hmm. he was allowed to do that. He was only allowed to speak because he had that, that let's say that divine DNA mm-hmm. that T'Challa had. So they mm-hmm. were able to walk that ancestral plane, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it's a metaphor because in real life we all have that ability, not in terms of like, that but in terms of we all have all of our dna is related at some point in history mm-hmm. and creation or evol- regardless it's all related so we're, technically we're all family mm-hmm. so instead of acting i would say as killmongers literally and figuratively mm-hmm. why why don't we to child it up that, that's all i'm saying mm-hmm. or like kendrick said loyalty and royalty inside of dna did you did you love the uh the parallels of the suits to that. Yes. Because the gold, obviously, very flamboyant. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. essentially, Killmonger kind of had um, prince envy. And usually in mm-hmm. history, we see princes are the more lavish mm-hmm. to get more attention. Oh, for sure. And he's younger. And then we have T'Challa wearing the purple. And the purple is, and like, it's ancient royalty. It's an ancient royalty color. So even in the House of Windsor and in England, the, the royal Jews are on a purple pillow, like, and purple, because we're going back, I'm going back to the esoteric parts of the film, which it was trying to illustrate, purple is the mastery of fire and ice, mm-hmm. and we see those themes throughout, so, in the regular, in uh, Wakanda, where the, uh, I guess where the J- Panther Cave is, mm-hmm. they were covered in sand during that ceremony, mm-hmm. however, when we went to the Jabari tribe, mm-hmm. Ice. Ice. So we see fire and ice, the theme again, mm-hmm. and Game of Thrones, and mm-hmm. so on. But there's that elemental relationship. And then I'm thinking about, again, and to the relation to vibranium. So I'm thinking, okay, you have essentially, they're basically teaching you alchemy openly. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's that. But then they're, they're putting it in a way that you can make your own choice on how you want to use that information, which is what our choice anyway. To choice to add positivity or to add negativity and they're giving you an illustration of what happens when you make those choices mm-hmm. for sure for sure and I, and I think it's crazy because if you look at the the duality between the different existences of T'Challa as well as Killmonger you see their rate how they were raised one had their father taken away from them at an early age one had their father taken away from them later on while he was present so that in itself could be traumatizing as well mm-hmm. um, it's almost like on some Lion King stuff you know yeah, what I mean yeah. almost almost but it's there then you got Okoye who's like loyal to the throne to the point where um, she said listen I'm not leaving he's a new king but I'm loyal to the throne not the person I'm loyal to the throne we can talk a lot about that and how it relates to um, American politics mm. and being loyal to the White House not the person but respecting the, the land of the law um, and then also you see a person such as, I can't remember her name, um, but Lupita Nyong'o's um, character. Nakia. Nakia, yeah, Nakia. Um, how she was 
um, a type of person who was still loyal to T'Challa as well as Wakanda, but she she exercised that loyalty through a different way in terms of trying to free other people. She was almost like the Harriet Tubman of Moses um, in some ways in trying to free her people or try to um, save other folks. So there's a lot of t- a lot of ties there. And then you think about a person like Eric Killmonger, raised in America, mm-hmm. has African connections, but he's far removed. Not only was he removed because he wasn't born there, but he was also born to his Wakandan father, an American mom, right? Um, his father was taken away from him, so not only was he removed from, Afri- from, from Africa, um, he's also removed from the lineage of his father because his father was killed, so he can't really pass on those messages, those, those things. Um, there was no talk about the mom, which was interesting. Very interesting. It was very interesting. Don't talk about the mom really in any way, shape, or form, and I wonder why, but that's interesting. I, I Well, I'll say Disney is why. Okay, okay. And I'll bring up parts and how it's related to Star Wars. And okay. Going forward. Oh, well, we'll I, bring can't, that I can't, I can't wait to hear that. Um, because it's interesting that there wasn't much to be said about the American mom. Um, mm. Additionally, um, if you think about Killmonger, he was raised, raised in America. Went to some of the finest American institutions. MIT. Went to MIT. Graduated like top of his class, you know, right? Who, who else went to MIT? And we're in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. Tony Stark. Oh, well, and there, there's also a connection with that. Oh, okay. okay oh, sorry, I, yes. I, I can't wait for you to drop knowledge because <laughs> listen, I, I I need to know. Um, and in terms of him going to MIT and then also going off into the to the military, right? Being raised, bred in American society. Even when um the CIA operative, he was like, hey, well, he's one of ours. Exactly. You know, we've trained him. So you have a person who is of Africa, of Wakanda who comes back and wreaks havoc on Africa, on Wakanda, because that's what he was trained to do. Now, you talk about him being a little bit more flashy, too. I guess that might be the American in him, a little bit more flashy. Perhaps. Or it could be like those rappers who know they are derived from kings and queens, and they know that we were rich with resources, particularly gold, when you think about places in Africa, kingdoms, Kush, you know? Sure. Um, think about all these places where, you know, we wore all this gold. We wore all these gloss things. Now, things get perverted now um, because people are like, yeah, I got my chain, I got my Jesus piece, whatever the case may be. But you can see all the similarities and parallels um, about the different dueling perspectives. You know, should we be interventionist? I mean, interventionist or should we be isolationist? Should we be globalist, uh-huh. right? Or should we just keep everything for ourselves? There's just so much there. So we'll, we'll, we'll jump into it a little bit, the connection here. So... Mm-hmm. The sister, mm-hmm. Shuri, I love her. She mm. literally, yes. Awesome character. Spirit of a scientist. And however, a little bit naive. Because she essentially told everything to the CIA agent. She, she literally snipped on her own society. So she essentially made the choice to share the knowledge without the permission of the king. Mm-hmm. And... She consciously did it only because of vanity, for wanting to show what she knew. CIA agent knew that. And if you think about people who work underground Mm -hmm. in a lab, Mm -hmm. clearly he's read the file in the Marvel Universe. This would happen in real life anyway, Mm -hmm. if this was real, right? Mm -hmm. He clearly read the file on Tony Stark. It's like, oh, how can we get someone like Tony Stark to open up? All you have to do is ask them about their work because no one asked them about their work. They're more interested mm-hmm. in all the, let's say, wealth and resources, right? Yes. So now she's 
essentially itching for attention, but in the best way possible, I would say. Mm-hmm. And that she wants to share what she knows. And because she she's the princess and she's the baby sister. So she's getting locked down more than anyone. So I'm thinking like, okay, connections to Princess Jasmine, things like that. So that's, they're tying mm-hmm. all that in there. So again, she's essentially that Tony Stark scientist character. Not that it's that related, but in terms of Marvel, I'm just showing the parallels for anyone else who's interested in, you know, in the, in the mm-hmm. comic book mm-hmm. aspect, but also in terms of what we're talking about, because Tony Stark also went to MIT. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I think... Um, with her character, um, she might be tired of being overlooked Absolutely. in the patriarchal society. Um, that could be literally and figuratively. Um, literally in a sense that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a rural patriarchy where there's a king who governs and that's how things are. And that's just like, you even saw it in a piece where she was like, I want to challenge, I exactly. want to challenge for the throne. And of course she was saying that in jest. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure she's like, listen, mm. listen, check me out because I'm just as powerful. I'm just as powerful. And one can argue that she might be probably one of the most, if not the most important person. She's actually in Wakanda. using the vibranium the right way. Right. Which is why I intentionally went in with that scientific artist mindset. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, if I, I have the audacity to think that we can reverse engineer vibranium. Okay. Because there's probably already a metal, mm-hmm. I, my my money's on copper, that can respond different ways to the elements like fire, fire mm-hmm. and ice. So during the, the whole battle, the uh, the claim for the throne uh, warrior sequence, it's in water under under a waterfall, and it doesn't commence until after the thump from the staff. So you see that theme of mm. th- making sounds mm-hmm. and then taking action. So and then the, obviously the the sound waves is illustrated through the water wave. So it's it's like that double entendre metaphor. This is right mm-hmm, there. I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's, it's something that you just said that just made me think about something else that somewhat off topic, um, but not really. So when you think about how things used to be back in the day when folks used to like settle disagreements or if there was a challenge, right? Yeah. What would happen? They would use their fists. Mm-hmm. They would fight hand-to-hand combat. They wouldn't have powers that other people didn't have, such as guns versus not having guns. So to make it a fair fight, that's why you have you have you have people saying, "Let's go outside and shoot a fair one." That means they want to fight one on one, no nonsense. Let's 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 man to man, woman to woman. Let's go fight and shoot a fair one. That's why you see the powers of the Black Panther always being stripped away before one person can challenge them. Mm-hmm. So it's like okay, and you got to think about that. It's like. Where have we gone to a point where it's like now we're all hungry for power to a point where we want to fight folks in unfair ways. Um, we want to challenge folks in unfair ways. Um, and we think we have the right to the throne or we just take things. But I think that's, that's important because you think that you see an American, of course, he has access to the throne from his father. But you see an American who just walks right up, kills, steals, shoots people who are close to him, delivers a body to Wakabi's feet. All to like just get here and say, you know what, I have right to the throne. And if you think about that in terms of like colonialism, imperialism, folks thinking they have rights to things. Um, and I think it was so great when they showed uh, the opening scene when they were in London in the museum. And one, the lady didn't know what she was talking about. And he corrected he, her. He, he was testing her. It was great. But two, he was like, how you think your ancestors got these? Facts on facts on facts. You stole them. You over here talking about, he said, I'm going to walk out with it. 
oh, you just gonna, how you think, yep, like, just really opening up the eyes of folks and understanding certain things because it's like, wait, first of all, you're not an authority on my history. And two, don't make it seem like what I'm doing to take something is against the law when your whole family, all ancestors, stole this stuff, have like raped and pillaged our land, our people, and it's like, okay, you got some nerve to be pointing the finger. And that's why she got popped. It was very interesting that she wasn't worried until he said the truth. Mm. And then, oh, mm. security. Wow. So wow. I, that, that's how I just look at life now. So, no, that's, that's just, so that's an example of white fragility, right? So she's in the place where she's an authority. She's sipping her coffee, chilling. Mm-hmm. Probably with Starbucks. Sipping her coffee's chilling, right? And it's like, okay, yeah, you know, hey, um, this is this, this is that. And then when she gets corrected, like you said, um, she's like, oh, now she's uneasy. And then when he's like, nah, I'm just going to take the same way. Some truth came in. Now all of a sudden the defense mechanisms come up. Now all of a sudden the whole uh, authority position has shifted. She's no longer in a place of authority. She now feels like she's being attacked. Um, So I think that's very important that you point that out. Very, very interesting. We, yeah, we see, we do see that a lot. And I feel like as much flack as Killmonger is getting, and I, I you could say rightly so, I, I still love him. Mm-hmm. I, we, I, I think we need him. We need that passion. We need that to be channeled positively. Oh, no, and I totally agree. And, and here's the, and here's the piece that I was talking about earlier when I see you have to really examine people's, um, to who they are in their in their in their context, um, because everything is relative, and I think this argument has come up before. If you think about it, um, you look at a person like W. E. B. Du Bois versus Booker T. Washington. Mm. You look at a person between Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X. Like you've always had these somewhat opposing views, but also those that are very intersection intersectional to the point where one needs the other in order to function. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you took the best of both, that would be crazy. Crazy. So if you have a T'Challa who's a little bit more even-tempered, respects women, <laughs> um, respects rule and order, and then you have like the vigor, the passion, the fire, the, 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 the anger that's not bitterness, but the anger that's not... like I think there's a lot of bitterness and a lot of brokenness in Killmonger, but with that anger... And that smart, like, anger warrior spirit of how to put all those things together, mm-hmm. I think you would have a, 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 just a problem on your hands in terms of what we can do as a people, what we can do as a, as a country, as a world, um, in terms of channeling all the best that we have to offer um, into doing something that's positive. Um, and I think it's really important to note that. And it was funny because if you think about it, even when he was killed at the end and he was dying, he was like, nah, man, bury me in the ocean right with my ancestors that jumped from those slips because they knew it would be better to, to die than to live in bondage it's true and I mean because he, he he was trained by the CIA he knows fully well that he would be essentially a prisoner of war and or he would be too dangerous to keep alive for fear of another mutiny mm-hmm. now oh, I guess this is already a spoiler alert but for me my alternate ending is essentially you can have Killmonger out in the world essentially policing how different countries start using uranium, uh, vibranium. Mm-hmm. And if we think about uh, connecting that back to the fact that imagine if the child did not make that choice, 
his sister would have gave him the keys to the kingdom mm-hmm. to the CIA. Mm-hmm. But essentially, it's still a bad decision overall. And I would say he probably wouldn't have made it without Nakia. Mm-hmm. So I'm just putting that out there, mm-hmm. just being honest. Essentially, now, instead of Wakanda having spies everywhere, now spies are going to be in Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something that you never anticipated or never even thought about. So you don't even know how to deal with those type of issues yet. Especially with a world who has kind of perfected it over the years. Mm-hmm. Which is why it was probably very smart to be an isolationist in Wakanda's specific situation. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, and that's a, that's a couple of things to think. I'm thinking about my own alternative ending as well because mm-hmm. I think that one would be dope. I remember telling, telling my wife, I was like, hey, um, it would have been dope if they could have worked something out because I feel like when we have an issue, men with men, women with women, men and women, whatever the case may be, right? When we have an issue, we always try to think that one side is right and one side is wrong. And that's not always the case. Sure. We can work together. And again, you're not always going to agree. Um, but how can we get to a point where we find some type of com- common ground? So if T'Challa's king, I thought Killmonger would have been one of the most fiercest, best warriors you had, right? Pretty much the, the male version of Okoye. And it's like, now, that's your right-hand man. Absolutely. Like, no one's coming for y'all because Killmonger's going to make sure that gets shut down. That's your security. That that gets shut down. So, like, if you want to talk about security systems, you want to talk about really strengthening Wakanda so that we can still share if we want to share, but still protect ourselves, that's the man to lead the charge. That's the real one. That's the rider right there, particularly because he has inside information about the enemy. Mm. Unless he's still up. Of the enemy, unless he's still one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it becomes, who, who's your who's your allegiance to? It's true. Is your allegiance to yourself? Are you just out for pure, like your pure gain? That's it, just for you? Um, is your allegiance to your new home, which was your home, but it was taken from you? Mm-hmm. Or is your allegiance to who raised you? And I'm not talking about his parents. I'm talking about the United States. That's right. And in that, in that, in that. In that sense, hegemonic white culture, white supremacy, because that's the United States of America. That's the, the America that raised him, who sent him to these schools and told me how to do X, Y, and Z. Um, so, so that's always interesting. How do we coexist? How do we find common ground? How do we get past our own agendas to make sure that we can have a collective one um, in order for us to move forward and progress? Because they could have worked it out. They could have. Um, but there's just so much damage and brokenness and distrust um, and fear of each other, and fear of uncertainty, which you see happens in many black communities against folks from the diaspora. Africans don't like Caribbeans. Caribbeans don't like African Americans. Africans don't like African Americans. African Americans don't like Caribbeans. Africans. It's just ridiculous. When we're all one people, it's just some people never left the continent. Others got dropped off early, and others got dropped off last. It's just crazy. I mean, to me, I I understand why. All of those people feel that way, but I don't accept that mm-hmm. because this, to me, that is illustrated at the end when Black Panther T'Challa kills Killmonger. And what did he say? Hell of a move. He had at that point earned his respect, which he didn't. He didn't get because then what Killmonger's upbringing? Not again, not his parental upbringing, but his upbringing. Mm-hmm. This is how we operate. Mm-hmm. And value systems, too. Mm-hmm. So what did he value? He valued combat. That was his identity. Absolutely. Right? He's a warrior. 
So he's like, hell of a move. Could T'Challa have changed his mind by talking to him? No, probably not, because his language is war. See, I, I'm a, I'm, I have the audacity to know I could change his mind, mm-hmm. only because there's something that we all can relate on. There, at the minimum, it's the fact that we're breathing and communicating with each oh, other. Oh, for sure, and I definitely agree with that in terms of um, trying to um, plead and um, um, the words escape me, but trying to. Um, talk to someone about the fact and level with them mm-hmm. about their own humanity and your humanity and how you're connected as humans. Um, but I think some folks put up so like either physical barriers or figurative barriers um, that prevent that from happening to the point where it's like, listen, we can go outside and talk about this, but someone might pull out a gun unload. So you can try to talk like it's like I just I just want to know how can you put a person in a position. Other than locking him down with some like vibranium cuffs to make sure he wasn't moving, it's true. Then let him talk and talk it through and talk it through and talk it through and talk it through. How long would that take? I don't know. To be honest, it's to me. I'm one of those people who likes to tell people exactly how I feel mm-hmm. before they die because we all die. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, why wait until that moment mm-hmm. to, to do that? And to me, that was the beauty in terms of the metaphor of the claim to the throne, the battle. Because we all keep forgetting there's essentially, he, T'Challa essentially has divine DNA, the fact that he's the, the heir to the Black Panther throne. So mm-hmm. he's, he, his genes are able to accept that plant that gives him the Black Panther power because not everyone can do that. So essentially you have him being mortal again. So he has to get back to that. And I feel like to be a king of mortals, if in this universe, he is immortal to a, to a degree in terms of he has uh, superhuman strength and all that. He has to be able to empathize with being human. And the best way to do that is in battle because you're essentially dying. And at the end, to connect it back, we see a Killmonger finally being finally being a bro as he was dying. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm like, if you're if you're going to do that anyway. Why don't you just do that from the beginning? Why cause all that chaos mm-hmm. just to be at this point when we could have we could have handled that before? So that goes back to my theme of telling people how I feel before it gets too late. Mm-hmm. Start now. And, and, and but this is how I feel. I think and and this was and I totally agree with that. And I think the reason why things got to the point of where it got to, a couple of things. T'Challa was messing up as king. Mm, he was. And. Like, one, he's making promises that he doesn't keep. And that's where he lost uh, Wakabi. He lost Wakabi because... Uh, okay, I'll... I'll mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. I mean, I, for, for me, I feel like Wakabi was impatient. Now, see, here's the thing. And, and, I, and I'm assuming, I don't know the time that lapsed. But, again, as a king, and I've never been a king before... But well, in that sense. Mm-hmm. But I've 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 governed over things before. I've been president of organizations. Um, I've had a position of authority. Um, and I also I'm a firm believer that you should be a man of your word. Now that means not making promises that you cannot keep, or when you do make a promise and you don't end up keeping your end of the bargain, you have to admit blame, admit fault. And and really seek forgiveness as opposed to saying, "Yeah, yeah, I, it didn't go. It did not go the way that we planned." See, I I can't in this situation. I couldn't 
accept that from what's his name? Wakabi. Wakabi, because how long how long did my father pursue him? Decades. So at the minimum, can I get one decade to figure it out? So that but and, and that and here's and and, and that, I'm glad you brought that up because that's usually the argument. How long do we have to wait for change though? How long do we have to wait? Because one, T'Challa was like, I mean, Wasabi was like, hey, um, I said Wasabi. Wakabi. (laughs) 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 Wakabi was like, listen, um, let me go with you. We're going to do this together, right? And T'Challa was like, nah, you good. I need you to stay here. But I'm going to come back and deliver the package. Let's think about this. Mm -hmm. You like, I'm like, yo, so I'm about to go to the store. Um, I'm about to, uh, you know, pick up some food. You know, what you want? Oh, yeah, I just want this, but make sure you bring it back. I bet. No, matter of fact, I'm going to roll with you just so you don't forget because it seems like a lot of stuff you're about to order. Nah, nah, nah. I got you, fam. I got you. I'm going to bring you back. You know, you're number two with a, with a, with a, with a, with a frosty. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to bring it back. Right. We get back. I'm like, uh, man, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, I went I went there. <laughs> I went there, right? I went there. But I, I don't got you. You know, it was kind of it was kind of tough. You know what I mean? But, you know, the drive-thru window slipped through my fingers, man. I mean, I, I didn't make it there. And you're going to be tight because you waited this whole time. I promise you, you're frosty at number two. And you like, fam, I'm going to bed hungry and upset. My stomach's empty. My heart's empty and heavy. And it's like, dude, I could have came with you and things would have been a little better. And at the very least, if I came with you and I saw that we got into all the stuff, at least I was there. I know how it is. I understand. We'll get him next time. But it's like, he put... His his followership into his hands like you got that fam I'm here so now he's starting to lo- he's starting to lose patience. But to me, it was his first try. I feel like you have to adjust your expectations at least because essentially, okay, in that in that scenario, yes, I could go to a establishment to get food and bring it back, or over time I'll probably come up with a Uber or Uber or Airbnb type of idea or like like Grubhub, mm-hmm. right, and then. I can just order the food so none of us have to leave. And I feel you on that. But it's like generational curses too, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, let's just say you was messed with my, my, my pops. And okay. my pops was like, yo, last time, uh, maybe maybe two months before. And maybe two months before that and two months before that. Always promised you a number two in a Frosty. And he never came back with a number two in a Frosty. And I'm like, yo, yo. Okay. I'm not that dude. That, I'm not that dude. That's but fair. I'm coming back with number two in a Frosty. So... Think about generational curses and things of that nature in the sense of, do you pay for the sins of your father? Should you have to pay for the sins of your father? Should you should, should you have to? All I'm saying is, is that there's plenty of times where it's like, listen, like think about Bush. Mm-hmm. Think about Bush Sr. and H.W., right? I mean, George W. Bush. Think, think about George W. Bush. If I'm already upset with what his father did, I'm going to be a little less charitable when, <laughs> when young son gets in there and starts oh, messing things up too because, okay. one, I feel like his right to the throne was only because he had a uh, prerequisite. Prerequisite in the DNA. Yeah, legacy. <laughs> he had he had prerequisite in the DNA. He had legacy inside <laughs> his DNA, right? He was in the uh, legacy of missions. There you go. <laughs> and he got there, and it's like you just like your daddy, if not worse. So of course you're going to be impatient, and I understand the, 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 there's a there's a there's a place for patience, but there's also a place for stronger leadership. But sometimes I'm like, heavy is the head that wears the crown. You can't be like, oh well. Slip through our fingers. I right, Black Panther. <laughs> he gonna slip through your claws again? Yeah. Well, here to me, I feel like if he evaded it for so long, clearly there's a reason for it. And it, again, it was the first mission 
of of course many because right now that's the only priority in the kingdom is him at least you know it's a priority which is part of progress for me like that's but again i would say in the in the long run he kabari or what's his name again oh wakabi wakabi sorry (laughs) i keep thinking about jabari (laughs) So essentially, he he wasn't exactly Judas, but he he had that mm. Judas type role. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he only he he chose that role because of the lack of patience. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think again, uh, this this lack of patience, um, and also he had uh, connections to the point where it's like, if I'm not mistaken, something there was some ill that. Uh, Claude did to his father or something like that. I can't remember. It was something that happened with Wakabi. Why Wakabi was so upset and really wanted blood, wanted vengeance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Killmonger delivered that. And he don't know him for anything, but he delivered that. And it's like, oh, hey, this is what it is. Um, but I think the other great thing about Wakabi, too, and it speaks to Wakabi in terms of him probably being more of a magician and a lover in terms of his archetype. Interesting. Because he was, ra- you see him raising cattle, he's more of an agricultural, right? So he's got like a green thumb, so to speak, so he's a magician in that sense. But also the lover type too. Now, maybe not king, maybe maybe he's not built for that. Um, and that's why he might not understand that, hey, things take time, etc. so that could be clouded. Hmm. He's not the warrior per se. Your man let the rhinos handle handle business. You know what I mean? He might do something, but he got rhinos. You know, he, he blew the horn and let the rhinos, he unleashed the rhinos. I, I would say he has some warrior. Oh, I know he does. Oh, yeah. I know he does, but I'm just saying, like, he's going to go a different approach about it. He might, might take him a little, it might take a little bit longer to get that to come out of him. Word. I like, think we all have warriors. Like we saw at the end of the film. Exactly. When he was ready to wage battle. Mm-hmm. Um, but he submitted to Okoye. Absolutely. His love, mm-hmm. as well as the fact that, one, she's a, powerful strong beautiful woman who don't play no games mm. and she said i will kill you where you stand she said i will for the I, yes i will kill you for wakanda for, for the throne so just looking at that relationship too i give kudos to him and his character for me was redeemed um because of that because of that submission because he could have killmongered it and tried to like od yes um which is just crazy and crazy I, and i love her devotion because imagine if that was the standard mm-hmm. for like any community of any race, and, and, I, and I think, and, and I think, if you want to look at it as an allegory, mm. want to look at an allegory for a black family, if you want to look at an allegory for black marriage or whatever, if you want to look at it as an allegory for just basic human relationships and being loyal to something and respecting something, and then someone on the other side is supposed to be cherishing something and taking care of something, um, it's really important. It really is important. I think it, it gave us a lot of lessons. Absolutely. That's the end of part one, guys. You're definitely going to want to listen to part two. We talk about the connection between Black Panther and why the film begins and ends in Oakland. Plus, we discuss the reason why the ships are designed to look like bees and wasps. You're definitely going to know that.